Got it. We're here. Steve, how yeah. you getting on, mate, today? What's happening? Man, you know, it's the holiday season, so what do you do? You know what I mean? Over here, it's Merry Christmas. Over where you are, it's Happy Christmas, but we can all get together and hopefully, you know, this this even though this pandemic is going on, you know, just send, uh, as Ringo says, peace and love. You know what I mean? Just try to, like, get the whole world to work together and just kind of, you know, get through it without losing our minds, without losing our freedoms, and just kind of, you know, just hang out and just just remember like what's important so i'm um, that's all i'm trying to do right now so yeah well i've already lo- i've already lost my mind mate so i'm i'm <laughs> screwed either way that's <laughs> just it normally happens i'm well, kind of halfway there it's not going to take long we're nearly going well this is december obviously you listen to this after it's 21st it's like three days before christmas and we've got this this new omnicron variant which is just fucking bullshit in it which i think oh, honestly yeah. the person who which i honestly think the person who uh, named that must be a Transformers fan because that sounds like something that Transformers, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like um, Optimus Prime and the boys are about to mount up and like go get after Omicron, who's like, uh, <laughs> who's like um, uh, Megatron's like big heavy now. Like, yeah. he's a giant uh, planet Transformer Decepticon that they all need to destroy and somehow has uh, Spock's voice or something. I don't know if I <laughs> get too many cultural references at you at one point, but hey, uh, that's, That's kind of what is. this Omicron is. <laughs> Some, somebody in the Mattel offices is now literally writing a letter to the US or the government, whoever made it up, going, um, do you want to, can I calm yourself down? We've already destroyed Corona beer, the lager. That's already destroyed. Now we're destroying hey. Transformers. What's next? <laughs> hey, and uh, I don't know like what, what you've heard, but there was, I don't know if this is true or not, but uh, there, there's a, like, so really in the Greek alphabet, there's there's a letter that's in between the two yeah i have this uh, uh, it's it's kai i mean everybody knows well you know most everybody knows the greek letter kai or they should anyway it's 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 called xi well they skipped over that they whoever they is naming this stuff and went straight to omicron because they didn't want to uh, offend anybody that might associate the coronavirus to where it came from in the first place was china you know because (laughs) the chinese letter g and Kai are similar, even though they're different languages, but whatever, we just kind of, you know. Uh, don't want to piss. You don't want to piss. One thing that I do know in this life, if I'm going to tell any advice to anyone, is you don't want to piss the Chinese off. That's one thing you don't want to do. John Cena pissed the Chinese off by calling bloody Tibet and a country, was it a country, wasn't it? And he had to, he literally had to say it in Mandarin as well. And he was just like, he didn't even say that. He just went, I respect you. I'm really sorry. And it's just like, just for saying that they're a nice country. Holy shit. He spent four years learning Mandarin Chinese so he could appeal to a wider audience only to like totally <laughs> fuck up. I bet he used it. I bet he used it. He goes, do you want to learn Mandarin? Why? Chicks love it. Oh, wow. I can get myself some, get, can I, some women over there, look look educated and all that sort of stuff. I can't wait to use this. Spent about hundreds of thousands of dollars on these top top courses to learn Mandarin. And the first time he uses it, he says sorry for being an asshole. Brilliant. Brilliant. Can't beat it. Can't beat it. So I uh, know. Fuck off that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not a John Cena fan, are we, Steve? Um, well, just like the great CM Punk said, I don't hate you, John. I don't like you, John. I I, I just think that you're not what 
Um, you're not like the champion. I totally butchered it, by the way. You know yeah. how something is great in your head, but then when it comes out of your mouth, it's like total shit. Well, that, that just happened. But the point I'm trying to make is like, I don't really hate John Cena. I just think that because he was shoved down our throats and just because he was um, yeah. uh, like the avatar of what uh, pro wrestling should be, according to Vince McMahon and his stuck in 1984 Hulk Hogan uh, right, mentality is that's what his champion should look like when the whole rest of the entire wrestling world at that time in the 2000s was screaming for somebody like CM Punk, like Daniel Bryan. That's it. Et cetera. I mean, obviously, obviously, people that introduced yourself were kind of, it was a beautiful segue. I've got to say, I didn't even realize what I was saying there until I realized, fucking John Cena's a wrestler. Jesus Christ. Gee, Steve's a wrestler nut as well. I've been so excited for this. I sent it to Steve before because I have been a wrestling, a pro wrestling fan for years since I was a little kid, little kid up in Scotland. Tried, I actually, this is a funny story to this. I was, my sister reminded me because I said to her, I've got you coming on today. And she decided to remind me of when I was younger, probably I would say about 10, 9, 10 years old. And I used to wrestle my pillow on my bed. Mm -hmm. Every normal kid does, but I took sure. it a step further. I took it a step further. I decided to jump off furniture. Um, so it was on the side of like the bedside table, you know, you jump off that. Yeah, elbow drop, leg drop. You see Macho Man Randy Savage doing it. I can do that. Yeah. Then you get sure. to the, then you get to the next stage. You step up on top of like the 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 unit that's on the side, like the chest of drawers. I can do that, do this thing. But I'd say take it one step further and just step up on top of my wardrobe. So I'm on top of this wardrobe, right? <laughs> and I did. Superfly Jimmy Snooker, because that's all the moves I could do at that point, because I had no room between the top right. of this and the ceiling. And buckled my that's bed completely. Be, what, eight feet? Oh, eight, nine feet? On a mattress, on a mattress, <laughs> on little 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 hind legs. And I tell you what, it was one of the worst thing about it is that that bed was like a hand-me-down from my sister, and that was a hand-me-down from, I think, somewhere else. So there's oh, me Lord. jumping off. The, that, that, that thing did not last long. I landed on it. Jimmy Superfly Snooker, Superfly Splash, bang. Destroyed the bed. Parents steaming upstairs. What have you done? The, the downstairs was shaking because of it. Oh, yeah. Totally worth it. Loved it. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Who doesn't do little kid dumb stuff like that? Who hasn't, <laughs> like, been a, 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 not even just necessarily a wrestling fan, because I get a lot of people don't really watch it anymore, but, you know, who hasn't, like, put a friend in a sleeper hold or, or a figure four leg lock or who hasn't grabbed their little brother, little sister, and thrown them off the, um, or something like that, you know. And I do know. I don't know. If the message pisses me off, I just fucking get her into a a, a, a textbook sharpshooter until she tells until I uh, get the tap. And if she doesn't like that, I get the boss and crab. I even might even push out the line tamer or walls of Jericho sort of thing, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, that's it. You will respect me, woman, while I'm sitting there fucking leading back. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I don't do that all the time. If you're listening to this, it's uh, she beats me up just as much as she can. I beat her up, so don't worry about it. I get as good as I so can. I, <laughs> it balances out. It balances out. Except you I'm can't safe. really see. The one thing is, um, and I've always said, you know, because I, I never really did it. I, you know, I had some friends and stuff. We monkeyed around a little bit, but like uh, then uh, I didn't wrestle in high school or anything. It's probably a regret. I should have probably, yeah. you know, but um. But in, but in high school, so I went the opposite direction because after uh, American football season was over, I would do something like totally opposite. So I would do more like like the plays and musicals and stuff. I know, right? And uh, 
uh, and we had a crash pad there because we had like a scene. I think we were doing guys and dolls or something like that where there was a big fight scene and the guy was supposed to fall off the balcony. And so I get this little wry smile on my face. I'm like, we have a crash pad and somebody's supposed to fall. <laughs> I see if I can lend some of my expertise. I go over and I'm like, okay. And this is, by the way, this is high school. So with context, so like um, for some reason or another, I figured it out pretty early. And if we're going to talk about the golden age with Hulk Hogan and stuff, because I'm assuming I'm a couple of years older than you, at least a little bit. Wee bit. Yeah, I'm only 21. Um, like, uh, holy shit. I know, I've had a hard paper round. <laughs> <I'm not. laughs> <laughs> no, I should say that. Uh, I tell you what, if I was if I was twenty one, you'd be like, "Oh my god, what happened to you?" <laughs> Holy shit, it's hard. It's hard living keep, up there. I keep saying that to the missus as well. Every time it's my birthday, she's like, "Every how old are you now?" I'm like twenty one. I've been twenty one for the past fucking ten years. Uh, <laughs> but I know I'm a modest thirty eight. But I think I can uh, push thirty five if I look if I do my hair nicely. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, so, so, uh, you know, I had, at this point when I was little, I, somehow I figured it out. I don't know if it was because of the whole uh, WWF steroid scandal and how saying your prayers and eat your vitamins and no one was telling us that the vitamins were steroids and cocaine. So I kind of like soured from Hulk Hogan and I always gravitated toward like the heels like Ric Flair. Like Ric Flair is my yeah. favorite wrestler, hands down. So, but, so I kind of figured it out that, wrestling wasn't as necessarily as genuine or realistic as they portrayed it to be at times um so you know i i kind of took a step back from it and kind of look at it and that's kind of how, how i look at wrestling still today but um we had that crash pad there and the and i i was talking to the kid who was supposed to take the fat fall onto the uh mattress onto the stunt mattress and i said hey um you ever done this before and he's like no and I said, um, do you want to make it look good and make it and make it hurt less? And he said, it's going to hurt. It's a crash pad. I said, it may or may not, but I can give you a tip or two. So I tell him, I said, well, what you want to do is, and I'm explaining him. Okay. I'm again, imagine 15, 16 year old me explaining to another 14, 15 year old kid, what a flat back bump is. If you're not familiar with like pro wrestling, the basic fall down move in the ring you fall on your back and lay your hands out flat and you take a lot of the pressure off of your body um it's not just necessarily just getting punched and falling down or whatever it's like it's like it's a technique that wrestlers have perfected since i don't know hundreds and hundreds of years just to kind of take the wear and tear off their body and since it was a crash pad it, you know i figured well just make it as easy as possible so i said okay so here's what you're going to do when you fall try not to fall on your side fall on your back and just lay your hands out as flat as you possibly can, like you're, I didn't want to, I'm not trying to be sacrilegious, but like, when, like you're Jesus, just like, that's what I was saying. You know, hurt yourself. So he says, what? That sounds dumb. I'm just going to fall on it. And I'm like, okay, you know, um, do what you, I can prove it to you how it'll, you know, uh, won't, won't, won't hurt so bad. Um, so I said, well, come here. And I just kind of grabbed him without a boost, mind you. I grabbed them and I just picked them up for a regular, you know, slam, reg regular body slam. I, you know, tucked his head so it wouldn't land on his head and all that stuff. I told him, and when I throw you, land flat and, and flatten your arms out. And he did that. And he was like, wow, that like didn't hurt at all. I said, you're welcome. <laughs> Let's do it again. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, all right, come here. Now I want to do the rock bottom. Wait, no, 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 no. 
that's that is one thing that I've yet to see that I am so so excited for, and it's it's going to happen one day in my life. I've yet to see it. Is when you're on a night out, you're having a few beers, your buddies. There's always going to be some ruckus and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I am yeah. yet to see someone bust out like a I don't know. Like a pedigree, well, a pedigree would probably fucking kill you, but like a rock bottom right. or like a side star, or some sort of wrestling move, or even a stone cold stunner, because that would just look impressive. Because it, it would hurt you, it would hurt your ass, but it would uh, it would look impressive. I've not seen anyone do that yet, and I'm dying to do it. It's just it would make it would just diffuse the situation because everyone would just be laughing their head off. It's like, you just rock bottom. Your guy would just get back up. And you go, you just rock bottom me. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cool. Let's do that again. <laughs> Fucking. I, I just saw. I don't know if it was a wedding reception or if it was you know down in Jamaica somewhere and, uh, but uh, I just saw a guy bring a ladder out onto a dance floor and do the Jeff Hardy Swanton bomb off of. <laughs> ladder and off of a, like this woman was on the table waiting for him and then as soon as he fell through the air she got off the table he went through the table it was like the wildest thing that i've ever seen I'm like that's oh, commitment no, Jesus. that is commitment right, right, exactly jesus because funny when you were saying before about back in the day because i go i probably got into the pro wrestling run about the early 90s probably but but it was before i think i was probably but i think it was night it was actually i'll tell you the reason why it was 1990 1991 it was, and the reason mm. why I know that is because the, the greatest Rumble, Royal Rumble, in my opinion, 1992, was when I got right into it, and that's when I was like, and I was the, the hero in school, because back in the day over in the UK, you had to pay, like, like pay-per-view and all that sort of stuff, and very little, up in Scotland, I have a deprived area, not many people had access to it, but my mum took me to, right. she was seeing a few friends, and uh, they had it. So she said, have you got this? And they went, oh, we've got it because we are pro wrestling fans. So they just left me in a room and I'm just sitting watching this live on my own. I don't care. No one else is there. And I'm watching live Royal Rumble when Ric Flair won it from like some like uh, number two all the way through. Yeah. And uh, the next day I was telling people how awesome it was. And I was like, you didn't see it. I, was like, I saw it. And I was like the coolest kid in school because I was only like 10 years old, like nine. So I was like, yeah, it was awesome. And that's when I went right into it. And the other funny thing about it, when you say, because I was, I was the, the typical, like, kind of babyface guy, you know, Hulk Hogan. I was an Ultimate Warrior fan. I wasn't so much Hulk Hogan. I was more Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. And it was about really his, when he started becoming a, a bit back. But I didn't, it's quite funny. The older I got, the more I appreciated the heels, like your Ric Flair's and your, your The Horseman and obviously your Million yeah. Dollar Man's Honky Tonk Man, all them sort of people as well. The Macho Man, where he would be, turn heel and face and all that sort of stuff with his macho king and it was all about i i had more respect from old when i was like now my age now like 30 year old i really i respected it more but back in the day i was a bit of a young kid with stars in his eyes thinking ultimate warrior was the best thing ever then little did i know that ultimate warrior was a bit of a dick right <laughs> yeah it's kind of crazy like getting to the the back uh learning some of the backstory i'm now there and i don't like trying to speak ill of the dead but yeah i mean ultimate warrior pretty much forced himself into that situation and forced forced kind of hogan to make that decision uh at, at wrestlemania like a year later when it was title for title yeah. um but uh the, 1990 that was yeah that was yeah WrestleMania yeah it was 90, around yeah. that time i think yeah yeah so it was 1990 and then 1991 yeah okay and it made me um, laugh. It was pretty cool the way they did that as well because Vince McMahon obviously thought Hogan was Hulkamania was on his way out. He's, but the thing is, when you look at it, yeah, Hogan was in like the, the territories AWA back in like the 70s and he 
how Vince McMahon decided to pinch Hogan was basically going against what his dad's wishes when he bought the company by not taking away the territories. And he did that. And his first one was to nick all the talent. And yeah. I didn't realize that. I mean, you think about Hulk Hogan wasn't in the mainstream for very long, but then you look into it, he was in the mainstream for best part of 10 years prior to that. But he wasn't like televised mainstream for about 85, something like that onwards, when the rock and roll stuff with Cindy Lauper and all that sort of stuff came with Mr. T. And then it's like... Right. Like a lot of people don't realize that um, Vern Gagne was the one that was trying to do a lot of that rock and wrestling stuff first. But since, yeah. you know, he's broadcasting to like uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin, and, yeah. uh, you know, in, in all these midwest states that like are in the middle of the country that that don't have huge uh uh syndication deals with i mean the farthest south that ganya stretched with the nwa i think was like st louis the farthest west was chicago and maybe uh-huh. you know i mean like like or i'm sorry not west east from him would be east mm. I uh, hope I'm not confusing you too much with American geography here. Like I'm just trying. I'm, I'm, I'm if you're listening, if you're not listening to, this, if you're listening to this, I'm actually sitting the account in my head. I'm going up and down, north, south, east, west. Never eat soggy wheat bix That's me, me too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So okay. So if you could imagine, like he's uh, Greg uh, Vern Gagne's stretch of that uh, NWA at that time when he had Hulk Hogan, when he had the Sheik, or not the Sheik, but um, the Iron Sheik, when he had a couple of those guys, Gene Okerlund that, that mm-hmm. Vince really wanted, he was only uh, like covering, I would say the size of, for relative terms, like of Spain, really, like yeah. that size, like he wasn't really doing that much. Like, so the only people that really knew about Hulk Hogan was one, people who had obviously watched Rocky II, and um, two, Vince himself, lips. Was, like you said, killing all the territory. Fucking Thunder Lips and Rocky. That was the funniest thing. But you see, when obviously Hulk Hogan was like a massive face, and you watch Rocky, because he didn't, he didn't want him to do Rocky too, did he? He didn't want him to do it. They were kicking off massively about that. No. And it was all going downhill, and Thunder Lips decided to rock up. And it's, you see him just being like an arsehole, and you're like, that's the end of Hulk Hogan. When I watched that as a kid, I was like, no, Hulk Hogan's gone bad. The next day, watching like superstars or something like that, he's back to normal again. Like, yay. And that was the thing about Hogan, too, because he pulled it right back. I mean, he really um, pulled it right back, uh, you know, very like skillfully mm. uh, said, okay, well, that was my movie, brother. But if you want to come see me and really get the, you know, bad guys or whatever, watch me take out Piper, brother, wrestling, you know. So he, that one of his skills. You know, you hate him or love him. Get the Hulk Hogan is incredibly charming, and he can turn it on. And he went from like obvious movie, like heel, and with an instant on like an appearance on Johnny Carson or whatever, turned it right back to being like the most beloved figure, pretty much in the eighties. I know it's crazy and how he was, how how popular he actually was. But when he became, I mean, I, I did. I, I enjoyed it. I, I still look at YouTube videos now and go back and like do a little bit of like kind of um, like the retro stuff and do a little bit of stuff like, oh, I remember that watching that as a kid. And even now, watching it back now, I still appreciate it. It's not like, you know, mm-hmm. when you watch some things and it's like nostalgia for nostalgia's sake and it's yeah. like you're nostalgic about nostalgia. 
But when I watch the rest and stuff, it's actually nostalgia really kicks in. It's like the entrances and the pops that you hear, it's still genuine. And you're like, you don't get like that anymore. You don't, the hot tags when you see like the rockers coming in or Legion of Doom were awesome. And you are uh, the road warriors and uh, you get the hot tags, you hear the pop and you don't get that much like that. It's all canned, the new product now, but the old stuff yeah. was genuine. And it's just like, oh man, it's so good. Well, you know, um, because I'm an English teacher and I appreciate all this, uh, uh, your fellow countrymen like uh, William Blake, Robert Burns, they were very much into like losing that innocence, losing that little bit of like uh, uh, something that held us like uh, dear to the olden days. Yeah. And and I feel like once kayfabe was officially killed, like it's all gone now. And it's like you, you'll never get that anymore. And I hate to sound like somebody like Jim Cornette or somebody, but you, I don't think you'll have a genuine crowd pop again unless it's a favorite wrestler um that uh you'll uh, uh you you this coming from another organization like uh i remember a couple of years ago 2016 when aj styles debuted at the royal rumble he got a huge oh, wow. genuine pop um the only other time of that was when daniel bryan won at wrestlemania uh after, you know the year of yeslemania mm. that was a huge like pop from the crowd from a wwe show that very rarely they get um you know they're even talking like you read on the online all the time fans coming back with man the crowd was dead or you could hear the the crowd noise they pumped in through the speakers and blah 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 it's because they've done it to themselves but you'll never get that and i don't even know like even if i as i say kayfabe or real life or, or being fake in wrestling or whatever is dead um, if you go to an indie show and if you get somebody who's relatively well known, either starting up or somebody who's been or maybe had a couple spots on AEW or something like that to your local indie show, you can still get a genuine pop. Like there were some guys that I was watching here locally in Ohio, in Columbus, Ohio, and who I, I think one of them's only been on AEW, but all of them had genuinely good good crowd reactions um yeah there was what 70 people in a in a county fairground yeah still, that's pretty good that's a pretty good yeah. pop so it's so hard when it's manufactured that that especially something as corporate as wwe you're only going to get reactions in the wwe like that anymore if and uh whenever mjf or somebody from AEW, who's overly popular, comes in because if not, it's just never going to be genuine ever again. What do you? What's your favorite pop you've you've heard? What's your, what's your favorite one? Ooh, um, any generation doesn't matter. Does any type at all? Uh, that's so. Hmm. So I see it's hard, uh, isn't it? See, I was thinking oh, of this the day um, before. I got, I guess, like um, Austin at um. Uh, Royal Rumble was pretty big. Taz, believe it or not, at Royal Rumble yeah. was pretty big, but I think they kind of engineered that because it was in Brooklyn that year um, when he fought uh, Kurt Angle. That was a huge, unexpected pop. AJ Styles got that huge pop. Um, uh, Ho well, we're talking about Hogan, uh, the you know the NWO turn, but that was what they wanted. Like that yeah. crowd reaction was just deafening. Um, but that's what they wanted. You know, Hulk Hogan had never been a heel in the United States in a, in a, uh, in American promotion. So, yeah. um, uh, gosh, a lot of, um, surprisingly, 
when uh, when Jim Cornette showed up for that one shot at ECW, he got a huge pop. Um, <laughs> and uh, he went when he like whacked Tommy Dreamer. Um, so did Jerry Lawler. I guess it's it's so much situational because and all the ECW fans at the time, and that's kind of my wheelhouse. Grow when I was like in in the you know the demo so to speak um when i was coming up in like late high school college ecw was coming up too and yeah so yeah. like when uh when uh lawler showed up on ecw for that thing that they did with wwe and he whacked tommy dreamer a little too close to in the crotch there with the kendo stick <laughs> and when Jim Cornette came out and whacked tommy dreamer with the uh uh the tennis track and stuff those were pretty good and those were pretty big i think it's situational um you got to really do something to surprise and shock uh the audience um another one just off the top um sting got a pretty good one uh when he finally showed up on wwe tv okay. a couple years mm. ago i think that was uh based mostly out of respect for sting because mm. of course vince mcmahon didn't create sting so he doesn't get it but the crowd loved it so there was uh, the the there's a lot of situational stuff. WWE tries to manufacture pops and it and it doesn't happen. Um, so those are some of my favorites over the uh, over the last twenty years or so. It's pretty hard. I was thinking about this the other day there as well, and it is hard to figure out what one is and all that sort of stuff. I think one of my favorites is it has to be this one. It's uh, SummerSlam. British Bulldog when it was in London against Bret Hart and it was at Wembley Stadium and I tell you what I remember watching He'll win that. whether he wants to or not even though I know yeah this is this is another thing that that I don't, this, is this is what I don't like about it as well right because when you watch it yeah. I was watching that as, an, as a kid and I remember watching it live it was on Sky Sports me and my dad and when British Bulldog did the sunset flip and he leaned down over and All he pinned right. Bret Hart. Bret Hart was like the man back then. It was before he was becoming the man, but he was, you could tell he was something special. And yeah. uh, and he won. It's huge, absolutely massive. But then later on in life, when you hear about it, you don't realise that the British Bulldog through that whole time was off his nut and he couldn't do nothing. And it was Bret Hart that was actually doing the match. So he basically wrestled that match for both of them. And huge respect to fucking Bret Hart because I think he's such an underrated uh, wrestler to be fair he's so good so technically minded and so such like a ring general he knows everything and he will get a good match out of anyone and I, it kind of takes away the little bit of the, the nostalgia from that I'm like, oh, but still don't give a shit it was massive pop yeah well but I mean what's what's it's kind of like um don't don't meet your heroes a little yeah. bit. It's kind of like what happens when you get older and your parents start talking to you about, you know, who's supplying you the presents under the tree. Like, why, like, why would you, if, if the memory of seeing your, you know, cultural country hero, British Bulldog, have a significant victory, even though I think he should have been WWE champion, but that's another story. Um, it, to see that happen and you'd be so excited is that memory more important or less important than you finding out that um bulldog was shit-faced and out of his mind on pills and bret hart had a full match out of it i just because the memory for you is so much like better and more significant that's like embedded in your soul hmm. whereas you find out a lot about that stuff that's kind of why on my podcast i was very um 
I was very critical of like even Ric Flair, like even Ric Flair and Tommy Dreamer for the Dark Side of the Ring episode. I don't know if you follow that Vice. Oh yeah, big time. But it, just get into it. Well, I am an avid fan of thinking about like what people uh, like the the behind the scenes thing. This is why I'm yeah. my own worst enemy. That's why I, I dig deep into it. So there's any like shoot mm-hmm. interviews, I watch them. You know, I watch all these old school ones from the old school '90s shoot interviews and uh, in the yeah. early 2000s. They're great. And then Dark Side <laughs> of the Ring came out. That side, the ring came out, and I was like, "This is this is my nirvana. This is my heaven. I want to know about what happened. Tell right. me." So when that came out, I only watched that. That was the last one I watched actually a couple of weeks ago. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I know you're talking about all that. So you got a lot of fucking shit for that, didn't he? I mean, yeah, and 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 I I had to say because I'm I keep it real. I keep hundred like if he deserves it, then he deserves the shit they got for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's not true or whatever, and uh, you know, of course. Tommy Dreamer didn't make it better, <laughs> and, and, but but it's so for me it's I guess is the legacy of why well, you know getting up early or or, or coming home at six oh five Eastern Standard Time in Atlanta Georgia watching Ric Flair you know uh, take off his Rolex watch and all that stuff are all those memories less or more important than me finding out that Ric Flair was so blown out of his mind that he he groped like a stewardess like of course like i'm gonna lose a ton of respect for him and yeah i know he said in the past i've never needed to do that with with the women woo you know um but at the same time too it's like no i don't want to hear about my hero not because i don't want to hear about it not because i'm like putting my head in the sand i just don't want to hear about it because um like uh it's just gross and i just don't want to ever see anybody attack like ever feel like that their job is is a sense of trauma for them you know what i mean so like i was really i really went in on rick flair and tommy dreamer on my podcast um that being said again like how much of that tarnishes the memory and the legacy of rick flair or even tommy dreamer for that matter right so i don't know i like nostalgia is a tricky thing and going behind the scenes is is a tricky thing too i enjoy excited i Honestly, I, I enjoy the wrestlers shitting on each other too, like 20, 30 years later myself. But at the same time, too, it's like, okay, yeah, I know this happened and this is the real story. So does my love for what happened or being in the moment when I was a kid or when I was a teenager, like, is that now like shit? Is that like now gone? Like, do I just throw that out? Like, I don't know, you know, like moments like that would not have allowed me to have a hobby of following pro wrestling so then when I get older and I learn all this stuff happen, like, I just say, well, you know what? These guys are all a bunch of assholes, blah, blah, blah. I mean, if you want to do that, you might as well stop watching um, movies <laughs> and you might as well stop watching TV and you might as well stop going to plays because pretty much what seven eighths of all Hollywood uh, actors, actresses either had either to sleep with Harvey Weinstein or knew about what he was doing. So if you want to go behind the scenes on that too, like, you know, just stop watching movies and, you know, read a book. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what it is. It's like, that's, it's the differences like from back in the days, like pre-internet. It's the pre-internet. It's like the, the, the naive age, I like to call it, because everyone, yeah. you believe what was on TV. You only heard mm-hmm. all this sort of stuff. What they, they only told you what they wanted to, what you wanted to believe, you know, you believe what they told you. So you thought that was right. gospel. And that is pretty cool. It's a pretty cool time to be in, but it's only now you're looking into it because of all of the dirt sheets and all these shit interviews you get, and it kind of ruins it a little bit for people like hardcore um, 
fans that kind of stretches yourself and that it, it does ruin it a little bit. It ruins the 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 how can I put it? The ruins. I don't want to see the fantasy of it. The oh God, you know, you know what I mean. It ruins that sort of like kind of romanticism. There we go. Yeah, there you go. Boom. That's uh, the romanticism of it all, sort of thing, you know. And it's yeah. um, and it, I, to be fair, I talked about that. I was actually. I going down the wrestling rabbit hole that I've got. I always go down. I didn't realize this is what I didn't realize. Talk about shoot interviews. You remember back in the day, the original shoot interview guys that came out was RF tapes, whatever they're called. All right. Yeah. I didn't realize this guy, he did like 90s shoot interviews with all the guys. They released them on VHS and it was basically like the Iron Sheet Con Hulk Hogan, a wanker, and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and Kevin Nash and doing all that sort of stuff, doing exactly the same thing. I didn't realize Shitty he. Baby. It's, uh, I didn't realize. He actually, the guy who actually owned that company, was the original founding members of Bloody uh, Ring of Honor. Uh, yeah. Um, shoot, what's his name? Uh, it Don't. escapes me now. But then he yeah, turned out to be a wronging. Can... What's that? He turned out to be a bit of a wronging after that. He was a bit of a naughty boy, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, him and Carrie said, yeah. And I guess what he would do is when he got these guys or when he was, uh, you know, um, I don't know if he was promising them like paydays or whatever, or one shots or whatever mm. at the ring of honor shows, but I guess he would just like tape them while they were there. And then I think it, it was some, it was kind of trying to build ring of honors, like tape library, which I don't know. Um, I guess. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, a good market. Really good stuff out of it. Yeah, it's a good marketing play because what he was doing was using, he, he was obviously setting up his own merchandise stall there because he was part into that company. So he's sticking these tapes at the back. So yeah. who's going to buy a wrestling shoot interview? Wrestle fans, wrestling fans. Uh, it's a prime fucking location. It's a prime demographic for them. So, but saying that yeah. back in the day, it was not exact, he wasn't exactly getting like 10,000 people and all that sort of stuff at a Ring of Honor show back in 2002, 2003, were yeah. you? Mm -mm. Get like seven. No. Oh, and uh, matter of fact, like, I didn't even, I didn't even really know about Ring of Honor until probably 2004 or five. Anyway, it must have been 2005 because my buddy at at work, um, he he it was funny. He thought I was going to be like an annoying douche, and I started talking about, started getting on the conversation about wrestling. And now he's one of my best friends, and uh, <laughs> he had a friend who was trying to get in to the business, and he said, "Hey." My buddy's got some tickets to go check out this indie show he's trying to get on. Uh, yeah. Do you want to go? I'm like, sure. Why not? I've got nothing to do. And I drove up and it was Ring of Honor in Cleveland, Ohio. I think it was like 2005. So check this out. I saw Cole Cabana, Samoa Joe, and I think, if I remember correctly, uh, Daniel uh, Brian Danielson, like on a ring, and Jimmy Rave. Uh, you know, God rest, he just uh, passed away, unfortunately, yeah. um, a week ago. But yeah, like um, I saw all three of those guys and like, well, not Shane Hagedorn, not like that matters anyway, but you know, you got to somebody, you got to beat somebody, right? Um, and they were all in Cleveland for like a tiny little house show in a uh, armory. And uh, that was a first, and I was like, I looked at him, I was like, oh my God, this shit is awesome. Like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, so of course, once you get into it, you're like, I got to learn everything. So thank God the internet was around. I started scouring out. Oh, it's this thing called Ring of Honor. Oh, okay. Oh, they started in 2003. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Daniel Bryan guy I just saw, Danielson, I just saw was like, he was in the finals for their first, you know, championship. 
belt, blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. It's like, oh, this this is a little cool. I like this. But then you look at it and you say, well, cool. Like it, it was kind of an offshoot when ECW finally got bought by Vince McMahon. Like, okay, so they helped fill that vacuum uh, in Philadelphia and kicked off from there. And uh, it was pretty like, it was pretty cool to finally say, okay, now I've, I've got something that I can get into on the ground floor and see a bunch of stars and, and, and see maybe that they'll just blow up and become something uh, today. And that's kind of actually why, what, another reason why I really like wrestling and really watch, especially independent wrestling is I kind of follow it like a, a lot like uh, people follow uh, baseball in America. Um, you know, well, you go to your, you know, your local podunk single A farm team and hey, this guy is really raw, but he's got a rocket for an arm. And then you keep going to games and watching him pitch. And then uh, and five years later, he's got his deal with, you know, major leagues. So you kind of watch wrestling in that same vein. And I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be all hipster or, or anything like that, but I kind of did see like Samoa Joe and, and Daniel Bryan uh, before they were like mega stars, like in a little yeah. bingo hall and, that was kind of cool. So, I mean, I, when you think about the Ring of Honor side of things, I did, but I did, I didn't know much about them until about late, literally yeah, into twenty tens, twenty eleven sort of things. I didn't really know much, but then I did some digging. And you said there, and you look at the roster they had when they first started. You don't realize it's like um, how much are the talent that are really hitting it in the, the WWE, and then obviously now EW, and at some point Impact TNA. How much, the, how many of the, the, the wrestlers came from Ring of Honor? You know, you had like Seth Rollins, he came from there. And you had all these other guys, you know, like um, obviously Diane Bryanson, um, Christopher Daniels, and all that sort of stuff. Some more Joe, Colt Cabot, even CM Punk started there as well. And it's just like, holy shit, these guys were literally like a, like a factory of raw talent that just moved on elsewhere. Oh, God. Like um, my first. Uh, my the first time I ever saw um, Seth Rollins, um, it was right as Jimmy Jacobs and um, what's her name? Uh, I can't remember. Uh, they were they were breaking a uh, Lacey, Jimmy Evans and Lacey. It was that storyline, and um, they had just broken up. And of course, Jimmy Jacobs went full crazy, like you know, stabbing himself with the spike and all that kind of stuff, and bleeding. And why don't you love me and all that? And then it was turning into the age of the fall with him necro butcher and this scrawny skinny guy with stupid long black hair and not a really fully formed beard jumping over the barricades and stuff and uh they called him uh tyler black and i'm like who is this guy this guy this guy's kind of corny and and then of course what 10 years later Seth Rollins becomes a WWE heavyweight champion. Like I saw Seth Rollins from this like skinny little like nobody who is Jimmy Jacobs' lackey <laughs> all the way to like WWE now. And um, it's kind of crazy. It's like who you think that you know is going to be good and, and who's not going to be good. And, um, you know, you could uh, you could tell like even in Ring of Honor, even at that early stage, guys who weren't going to be who weren't really going to make it like uh the one mistake i made is i thought michael elgin was going to be really good and he went crazy too so i don't know but uh i did see like uh i did see kyle o'reilly die at survival of fittest in ohio and he's fine now look where he is he's in wwe 
I've seen a lot of guys from Ring of Honor in the, like in their heyday. I really caught a lot of them. I saw Chris Hero and someone. Uh, you know, Chris Hero and BJ Whitmer were in that cage match and in Dayton. And since they're both from that area of Ohio, where Dayton is from, like it was pretty wild. Um, so there was a, it was a lot of fun to see a lot of guys, uh, you know, uh, like in Ring of Honor. Just imagine like how many people, like you said, and even if they weren't there long, like came through. Like even AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Chris Hero, Claudio, um, uh, uh, you know, CM Punk, uh, the Summer of Punk, Summer of Punk one and two, because a lot of people don't, you know, remember or don't know much about both Summers of Punk. And Summer of Punk three is actually the one in WWE when he held the the title, hijacked it, and then brought it to the uh, uh, comic book show and, and, you know, uh, put it in Triple H's face. Um, you got, uh, oh my gosh, even the guys that like didn't really make it there uh, were still, you know, Ring of Honor, like Cole Cabana, Ace Star or Ace Steel. Um, uh, a lot of the, of course, the Briscoes, amazing. Um, a lot of guys that, that, that went through who are now in both were in WWE now or were in and coming out. Kevin Steen, um, the only guy that, uh, that I miss, uh, of course, is, uh, you know, God rest his soul. He 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 died saving orphans from a fire in Guatemala. Poor Elgin. He he is sorely missed. But I do like that Sami Zayn guy. I think that was quite clever how Sami Zayn decided to kind of come out with that when he, he used that as like yeah, I thought that was genius. He's like, oh yeah, he saved some orphans in Mexico. And I was like, oh, that is brilliant. Right. Absolutely brilliant. So you think obviously Ring of Honor. It's a shame really because they've been through this COVID situation lockdown and shit has really hit them hard they've obviously come in december now they're shutting down as of like was it first of january letting all the wrestlers go and say they'll be back in april do you think they're going to be back you know what well joe Coff said in an interview that he doesn't think he, he never said they were shutting operations down um i think it's a ton of mismanagement um i think sinclair didn't help in helping them get through the finances i do like and i appreciate the fact that they did pay a lot of their wrestlers through the pandemic which shows a lot of class um i think it was like a third mismanagement um i think it was a third of the pandemic and i think a third of it just is um i don't know if i think sinclair was happy to have a free product or practically free product um, because they were able to do what um, Ted Turner and TBS did with the NWA and with Florida and Georgia wrestling, which was it's a low budget product that they can just kind of film and they could put in the can, you know, they could film like two, three days worth Thursday, Friday, Saturday, um, and then, you know, have a whole season and they could just put them out anytime they want. And then uh, let the wrestlers go and, and and wrestle and do their shots, do their independent shots. Um, so I think that Sinclair didn't really take full advantage of what they could have done with it. Um, but I, but that being said, like I think they'll be back. I think here's the, I think what here's what's going to do. I think they're going to go. If you're familiar with uh, pro wrestling gorilla out in California, that's where all these guys come from too. Like if you didn't come from Ring of Honor, you came from PWG. You know. Caliber, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Brian Cage, a lot of those guys. Um, I think what they're going to do is they're going to try to 
manage it as like a super indie. Um, basically bring in guys for shots, basically say, okay, well, let's see. Um, hey, Daniel Bryan's got a contract where he can wrestle wherever he wants. About for um, our next pay-per-view, uh, we're going to have a special attraction match of Daniel Bryan versus, I don't know, pick somebody off the Indies now. I don't know. <laughs> the first name coming in my head, like Effie. I don't know why, but he did. <laughs> you know, maybe like, or maybe Ring of Honor will set something up with, we are going to have uh, the, you know, the Game Changer Wrestling Heavyweight Champion uh, fight uh, somebody else, you know, in a match. I think that's what they're going to do. I think they'll try to do that. And maybe they'll have like a couple of storylines for a couple of some of the younger. Like, I don't see why you would just throw like somebody like Hot Sauce Tracy Williams or Brian Johnson just completely out. I don't know why you would, as a matter of fact, I don't know why you would throw like John Gresham completely out. You know, he did win the belt back recently at Final Battle. Why wouldn't you just maybe hype it a, a super card of honor up probably around mid-March and say, yeah, well, you know what, you know, Jonathan Gresham, have him cut some promos and have him say like, you know, I, I'm going to take on any, any challenge. This title's not dead. It's live and breathing with me and blah, blah, blah. And then you have someone, I don't know, just pick, pick random heel, MJF, whoever, it doesn't matter. Pick someone, have them come and fight in Ring of Honor for the belt. You know what I mean? I think it'll be more like of a super indie. I think they'll try more and they'll keep their younger people around. You're not going to see like anybody who doesn't, doesn't need to be a ring of honor and could go somewhere else. I don't think they'll be there unless they're already established in another promotion. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I think I, I completely agree. I completely agree. I think that's what they need to really kind of figure out and do because they have toyed with it. I mean, the thing is, is what's now is starting to become a little bit. It's only WWE are doing it, are basically saying, you work for us and no one else. But you've noticed that the people like TNA and New Japan and now EW have basically scrapped that because if you want to wrestle somewhere else, you could wrestle somewhere else, you know? And I think that is what needs to be happening because it opens the door up to different... Because they're, they're, they're obviously... Like kind of businesses themselves, just they work for themselves, so they are like brand orientated, so they want to get their brand out there. So, well, I'm the thing is, with Ring of Honor, they have to really kind of stop fucking up the collaborations because they tried to do it with New Japan and yeah. everyone went to watch the super show and everyone just thought the New Japan wrestlers, rightly so, were fucking awesome, which they are awesome, and didn't give a shit about the Ring of Honor people. And it was just like, well, yeah. the hell's the point of this? Yeah, that's that's that they they were having they did have a big trouble with um, building up their own stars. It's yeah. really it was kind of hard to because, like you said, most of them have been raided by WWE or AEW anyway. Um, even though Tony Khan, to his credit, did try to pay it backward and you know throw some bones that AEW uh, uh, give some AEW guys over to let them you know wrestle and do the thing. It's hard to you know cultivate your own talent especially when most of the ones that get good enough are gone. You know, I mean, uh, God bless him. I'm really not interested in seeing Rhett Titus do anything, you know, but he's been in ring of honor for almost 20 years. So it's his entire life, you know, all the little documentary or what they tried to do on, uh, on Netflix or whatever. I want to be a wrestler or something like that. Um, you know, I, you know, God bless him. But you know, like, is anybody ever there to see like QT Marshall? No wonder why he's on, AEW being uh, Cody Rhodes' lackey, he couldn't even cut it in as a mid-carder in Ring of Honor, you know? So, like, 
it, it's it's tough. It's it's tough. I think they'll survive though. If they just if they get you excited with all the young faces, if they finally give somebody like Eli Isom like a decent enough push or whatever, but then still mix it with, hey, you want to see Josh Alexander, the uh, you know current uh, uh, Impact Champion or whatever, um, come wrestle against uh, who knows uh, Matt Cardona or whatever. Like, let's go. Like, we'll 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 feature that too. Um, but just have a balance between guys that you want to cultivate and guys that are out there to make those partnerships with the other, um, with the other promotions and mm. see if it can make it work. Good. Do you do you much, uh, do you, do you kind of watch much of, like, or do you know much about the UK scene? I know it like reinvigorated, uh, even WWE, like it, it it was so on fire. And, and I do know that in the late eighties, early nineties, it was so dead, which was kind of disheartening because I do know that a lot of the origins of professional wrestling in general come from the UK and carnival shows and traveling shows and stuff. So like that legacy is still there. Um, but yeah, I get it. Kind of like a lot of the superstars like Johnny Saint and whoever like aged out and just nobody was interested in it anymore. And it just kind of died, uh, you know, in the late nineties and early thousands. I'm really glad that people were able to revive it because wow, like when I started, okay. So, you know, in the two thousands, there was what, like uh, Rob Terry and there was a couple of guys, Doug Williams keeping it going and um, Nick Aldis were kind of keeping it going. They were in TNA. so. They were like guys that were more looking like what Americans think that wrestlers should look like, which is totally cool. You know, they were doing it. They were doing their thing, but pretty much was like, that was all of the, all of what we knew about the British wrestlers. But then we started, you know, getting some things over here. Like, Hey man, there's this crazy ass dude. And he's got this uh, indie promotion called progress. And basically like all uh, all the crowd just throws shoes and does dumb shit. And like, you know, it's, it's, it gets involved with his name, Dallas. I think his name is Dallas. And, and he's just like, like not giving a fuck. And, and, and they started putting all their like, like matches underground. And they finally got like a distribution deal with one of the internet TV wrestling things or something like that. And then of course, uh, the brilliant thing that he did was once he started getting like the buzz out there with his guys, um, with the coffees and the blacks and all that stuff. Then he started pulling a lot of these indie guys from Ring of Honor. So he pulled Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, Adam Cole. Like you saw all these guys from Evolve, Johnny Gargano. You saw all these guys from Evolve going over to wrestling UK. And people were like, what do you want to wrestle over there for? Because it's fucking amazing. And the crowd is like live as fuck. And it was so much fun. So like progress, I love progress. I love going back and watching all old progress shows if I can, um, your backyard, uh, 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 oh shoot, uh, IWC, ICW, uh, sorry, ICW, yeah, yeah. ICW. Oh my gosh, like, like it's I said, it's Drew McIntyre and all that such stuff came from when at the eyes he started in ICW, yeah, Drew McIntyre, Finn Balor, um, uh, I did the. Now, like Wade Bear and Seamus, they didn't work for them though, did they? No, nah, no, nah, they were mostly down and they were down in Preston. Wade Barrett was more like down in Preston. I, 
progress actually down the bottom, down south, and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, like crazy shit um, going on down there, like huge, like great matches with great big men, which is kind of what caught WWE, kind of caught Vince's eye, yeah. was uh, all the great big man matches that were going on in, in Scotland, going on in IWC, and just the buzz coming. And then all of a sudden, you start hearing about like, now um Hulk Cabana did it a little bit. We started hearing about the more the old school uh Lancashire style coming back, the old like hooker style coming back. Um, and then you saw guys like uh poor uh uh Jake Gallagher. I don't know if uh he's still around or not. Um he kind of got caught up in the wash a little bit, but you saw a lot of those guys from from the snake pit um getting into American wrestling and like actually bringing Matt wrestling chain wrestling back. So yeah, I'm, I was excited to talk to you about it a little bit too, because I'm not hugely knowledgeable, but I really do try to, I did try to follow it and I really did try to like immerse myself in it. And it shows because some of the big stars in um, WWE now, like you said, Drew McIntyre, right. Um, like uh, a huge from the, uh, in from the UK, huge from uh, Scotland, huge from Ireland, uh, you know, Blackpool, all those places, huge influences coming in to pro wrestling and just making it better. So yeah, uh, unfortunately, WWE kind of raided the scene a little bit. They destroyed it, didn't they? Which pissed me off a little bit because it was yeah. literally about what 2014, 2013, 14. Mm-hmm. That's when it was like massive. All the even Triple H was turned up to an ICW show and all that sort of stuff. And Finn Balor had an agreement with. Um, uh, WWE, you know what I mean? With uh, obviously Finn Balor signed with. NXT at the time and coming over and doing spots and then obviously Mick Foley as well was doing his thing and yeah. next thing you know this thing this fucking horrendous thing called NXT UK rocks up and it's like originally it was just a tournament I was like okay okay but then you realize you get you sign them all these talent and then in the contract it says he can't wrestle for anyone else apart from NXT UK which literally right now probably only do one show a fucking year and it's just like you're just destroying the UK market and they actually yeah. have destroyed it so far well welcome to Vince McMahon's world right like that's literally what he did in the 80s um over here uh i and you know it's it's gonna take and i kind of thought zelina vega was gonna be that that person to do it yeah um and then of course she made that deal real quick but it's like it, it would only take one person who had the balls to really challenge that independent contractor uh clause that vince mcmahon exploits mm, because okay. you know as an independent i don't know about you know labor laws in uk or whatever but I've discussed it a couple of times on my podcast too. Like if you're an independent contractor, literally the definition of independent contract is you are allowed to pick whatever jobs, whenever you want to do them and for how much ever money you want to make. That's the literal definition of independent contractor. So it's just that some people see the WWE as their ultimate goal, um, which is fine, you know, a lot of people have the ultimate goal to be in politics and NFL premier league, you know, <laughs> not everybody can play for Man U or, or Man, you know, whatever, not everybody can play for whomever, but if that's your dream to get there, you know, and you get there, God bless you. But, um, but I think that um, there's a lot more headache working with WWE than dream fulfillment. And I think people are figuring that out. Um I think that the WWE shooting themselves in the foot with their stupid policies, it would take one like 
strike breaker kind of person to like really be confident and not care to stand up almost somebody like a CM Punk or someone like that to finally challenge in court the great Vince McMahon about the definition of independent contractor which would probably be more hassle headache and more money than what it's worth um but I think and that's kind of why I don't think a lot of people do it but um you know it's going to take that one person to challenge it and then the whole game will be changed yeah, hopefully the uk seems to get back to normal again and do the business sort of thing as well and get a little bit so i all these the indie shows in the uk can do what they want and get all the big names back again the guys that they've done before and i'll tell you I'll tell you a funny story actually because i went to because I've, I've used to live up in scotland for a number of years probably i left when i was about 16 i lived down in the uk down in um london now mm. and um had a lot of friends up there and I was, I think I was like uh, 20, 21, no, I was 25 actually. I just uh, kind of sitting there and I got a message through Facebook and it was one of my old friends. And I was like, how you doing, mate? How you getting on? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm doing great. And he's like, oh, goes, he goes, you've not changed usual sort of thing. You've not changed, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he goes, hold on a minute. You fucking changed though. And I was like, what are you doing with yourself now? And he's like, I'm a pro wrestler. I was like, what? I was at U of X, we had this, me and him were used to be really good friends back in the day. We used to love it. We used to sit there and watch, like, binge watch, like, old VHS tapes of all the old 90s Summer Slams, WrestleMania, Survivor Series. And we always said we're going to be wrestlers. And I was like, yeah, okay. But I went more into the football route sort of thing. But he, yeah. he was more athletic and he did a lot of, like, kind of martial arts and all that sort of stuff and did a lot of running. I was like, but he was scrawny. I mean, I'm talking about really thin and scrawny. And uh, he's like, I'm pro wrestling. So I did some digging on him. And he fucking, he, well, he was a pro wrestler. Uh, I don't know if you know him, Adrian McCallum, Lionheart. Oh, my God. It's like um, there, uh, a couple of years ago, there was like, I, mean, I hate to be rude, but some, did something happen to him like on the internet or something like that? Something like he, he had like, he got ill or something like that? Well, two things happened. Two things. I think he, he was great. And I was watching his shows. He was like one of the biggest um pro wrestlers in scotland that he was my man off the uk at the time he was huge so popular yeah. had a great fall great theme music if you get online jump in and type in lionheart icw theme music it's brilliant and uh he was making a name for himself and one thing he did what happened to him probably about 2013 i want to say um he's one of the one of the famous people that got the neck broken by the styles clash by aj styles he got his he was, right. and he got his neck broken and he was in a bad way as well because it was obviously I think there was only three of them one that really got and everyone was screaming out to catch went before he signed with WWE and in the Indies and AJ Styles was going all around the globe. I think he did something to in Japan as well. And yeah, he did. I remember he did something in Japan. Yeah, and I remember speaking to him and I was remember speaking to him after because I got like kind of chatted away to him and he said the natural thing with the Styles clash is you have to open your neck up because you have to hit flight first, but it's a wrestler's um, uh, natural reaction. When you hit down, you get slammed, you tuck your chin. And he says, yeah. it just, it's just like instinct. It's an instinct thing. It's constant. You do these moves thousands of times a week and it's just a constant thing. He said, that's what he did. He landed his head and he snapped two, his, two bones in his neck. And oh. um, he was out. But the thing is, he was out for a year and he came back. He came back yeah. and he came back and he got, he's got a t-shirt because AJ Styles um, released a t-shirt after that. And he said, what was it? He says, and he goes, um, something doing something, breaking necks and cashing checks. That's what it is. Yeah. I remember that. And then obviously, obviously my mate Adrian Lionheart bless him, destroyed that t-shirt by putting like his like he just went stamp on it. It says believe says Logan was believe, stick stamp on it and says, I'm back. 
And he's just like, uh, I was quite cool. But God rest his soul, he's passed away now, which is a shame, which is a shame. Yeah. We had, uh, uh, I was a few years ago now, which is a, a damn shame. But he honestly was one of the guys that, if you speak to other people in the UK, were, was one of the guys that should have made it, but didn't. And it's he confessed as well. He speaks a lot about it at the time because he was too confident. He was too cocky, thinking he was going to make it. And it just didn't happen. Because he was just too yeah. confident about it, and he just kind of got complacent more than anything else, which is a shame, really. To be fixed, he could have been huge. I remember the such the outcry because that was about the time where like WWE was getting in to the market and doing the whole NXT stuff, and I remember a lot of guys were tweeting about it, uh, like Trent Seven and and tyler black and everybody was like trent like like tweeting all about like how much he meant um i Pac had a tribute mm. to him a lot of rest like that's that's kind of proof like who you are is when everybody just goes out of their way to like mention you and talk about you so wow that's that's wild it's like that's an interesting little name you just dropped in the middle of our conversation there got yeah got a yeah. he was he was good friends with me. i didn't know drew mcintyre he they two wrestled together um yeah. they, they were we basically started wrestling at the same time sort of thing we're very close and uh yeah that's it that's that, that's my kind of claim to fame in the wrestling world as well and my other one was uh high-fiving to tanker at a live show but i stuck my hand okay. out to tanker run past and he smacked these, these three fingers at the top he touched them and i was like oh my god this is amazing the best day of my life right. <laughs> again a little kid memory right it's like yes you finally it was fucking great, great, but we have been going on for a while now, to be fair, Steve. And oh. I tell you what, I sure, I'm sure this could actually last for a lot longer, which is annoying because uh, I could literally ch- talk about this subject and yourself for hours on end. But um, I'm sure the guys <laughs> let you guys get on. But so I could trust me, I could. If you let me go, I'll just keep going until I till I pass out. I'm sure. Well, we'll have to do it again. We'll have to do a part two or something like that, or uh, an ongoing series, a wrestling series on the show. We could definitely chat this one. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If uh, you ever wanted to do something like that or, uh, you know, uh, ever wanted to come on, like, uh, mine, too. I don't know, like, if the if the timing probably doesn't uh, work out. But I definitely would want to come and, like, tape with you, too, or, you know, record with you, too, and just, just chop, uh, chop it up on, like, whatever you want to talk about, too. So I, I love it. But this is great. I really had a lot of fun, like, reminiscing and talking about, like, uh, how wrestling is kind of, like, a cultural thing, not just in – United States, but like all over the world, it's kind of this silly little thing that we both are fans of. Is just uh, it's just an amazing thing to just like I sound like cliche, but to bring us like together and, and just have a laugh and just shoot the shit randomly, you know. Yeah, um, that's this is a lot of fun, and I had a great time, man. This is hilarious. But I'll tell you one thing: if you're if you're if you're waiting for me to if you want me to come on your show, don't matter the time difference. I am more than happy with that, not a problem. But I will have to come with my own bleep button. You know, because because uh, you said earlier on the show, I said to Steve earlier on the show, I said, don't worry about swearing. It's fine. You can F and blame whatever you want. And uh, he's like, oh, my show's about PG. So I was like, definitely going to have to bring a bleep button with me because I'll be smashing the shit out of that thing. <laughs> I have some, uh, I have, I have like a soundboard somewhere around here where I can just like hit a hot key and go beep. So it's fine. I'm just, I'm just, I'll just, I'll just give it to like an editor. Give it to one of your sound editors or something. Find somebody on like the internet and just say, "Do you want a job?" And he'll be able to look at you. Go, I'll do that. I'll do that for like ten quid. And you'll get a message back going, "I hate you for this." <laughs> you don't have any uh, audio left. It's all one long. Beep. <laughs> 
So, Steve, Steve, where can people find you? You've got a podcast. Where can they find you? So, um, yeah, I'm all over the place uh, on uh, whatever social media you want to get to. I don't want to limit myself to just like Facebook or Twitter or whatever. So go to your favorite social media site and just type Heal and Face or Heal and Face podcast. Uh, you can go there. Uh, you can also find me on uh, Spotify, Apple podcast, uh, Stretcher, um, wherever you can uh, stream the audio version. What I usually do is I usually go live on Facebook around uh, five on, uh, in, on Eastern Standard Time. And then I take the audio from that and I just kind of throw it right up on Anchor. So yeah, wherever uh, you want to come at me um, in social media, follow me on Facebook at Heal and Face Podcast, uh, Twitter, uh, Heal and Face Pod. Basically, like I said, go to your favorite um, uh, social media uh, platform and just type Heal and Face and it should come up with my logo with a half angel, half devil. Um, I want to warn my shirt, but it was dirty uh, when an idiot. Um, but you can also uh, listen to the audio version of uh, my podcast, like I said, on uh, Anchor, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Just search for Heal and Face Podcast, and it'll come up there as well. So. No worries, man. Have you got, um, obviously, the guys here listen, I will put the, the, all these links in the description. I don't know if I've got enough room for all the links, you know, Steve's a social media whore, and he's just... Uh-huh. <laughs> Everything. That's right. So, but I'll put as much as I can. Hey, Daddy, that's it. <laughs> Steve, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been real. I've had a blast, man. Thanks for inviting me. No problems at all.